Good afternoon to you. I'm Al Cresta. And uh, patriotism uh, has been, is one of those concepts that, you know, when I was growing up in the 50s and early 60s, didn't seem very complicated. Um, By the end of the 1960s, patriotism seemed to be in, uh, you know, under, under attack. You know, cultural changes, the war, um, civil rights. And even today, there's still a lot of questions of what is a healthy patriotism? What what do we actually mean by it? Well, with me right now is Dr. Wilfred McClay. He holds the Victor Davis Hanson Chair in Classical History and Western Civilization at Hillsdale College. Before coming to Hillsdale uh, in the fall of last year, he was the GT and uh, Libby Blankenship Chair. He held the GT and Blank- Libby Blankenship Chair in the History of Liberty at the University of Oklahoma and was director of the Center for the History of Liberty. He's the author of several books, including The Masterless Self in Society in Modern America, uh, which received the 1995 Merle Gerty Award of the Organization of American Historians. And uh, you've written an entire history of the United States, right? I have indeed. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen it. And yeah. so uh, what I'd like to do is just ask you a general question about doing American history. Is it difficult in this day and age to do American history in a way that respects uh, traditional American culture and might even say kind of the American creed embodied in the Declaration. Absolutely. I think we're lost if we can't do that. I mean, that is that is our heritage. Uh, that is who and what we are. And uh, I, I think that much of uh, the, the kind of... Uh, uh, kind of history, historiography you've seen coming out of the academy, particularly in uh, the last 30, 40 years or so, has uh, been not exactly false, but not true enough. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think it's very important, you know, people always ask me about this, well, do you, do you deal with the whole story? And I said, yeah. <laughs> I, un- unlike the Howard Sins and others who paint American history as a uninterrupted parade of Confederate flags and <laughs> as, as, as uh, just a, 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 a litany of atrocities and, and malfeasances. Uh, I think, you know, a, an important part of the story is the glory of American history, the magnificence yeah. of, of what we did uh, beginning in 1776 in, 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 in enshrining in our nation's uh, foundations the principle that uh, that all men are created equal, yeah. and and of course the only sense in which that phrase is meaningful is they were all equal in the eyes of God, right? Uh, or nature's God, sure. as Jefferson preferred to say. But yeah. okay, Jefferson, <laughs> have your way. But uh, uh, it, 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 and and uh, that sense of the that no individual comes into the wor- world uh, uh, destined for uh, consignment to the servant class, or there right. is no intrinsic aristocracy, yeah. that we're all, we're all equal, and we all have uh, the freedom 
to pursue our opportunities as we see fit. So uh, that's, that's something worth fighting for. That's something worth preserving. The alternative to that, there's nothing good <laughs> in the alternatives to that. Um, uh, Calvin Coolidge had a wonderful speech. Oh, he, he gave speeches? He, he, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I hope members of the audience get what the, your joke. Because he, he was famous for being a man of few words. Right, right. Uh, I, I can't resist since you, you have a lot of younger listeners who don't know this story. Uh, Coolidge uh, was once uh, uh, kind of accosted by a woman in a friendly way. A woman at a at a dinner party and, and who said, I've been talking to my friend and we, we, uh, we made a bet that I could get you to say more than three words. And he said, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. There's some other yeah. good ones, uh, but, but uh, we, we would lose all our time if we went into that. But yeah, he gave a speech on the 150th anniversary of the declaration. It's a magnificent speech. It's one of the, finest speech, and I feature it in my book, uh, Mm -hmm. which is called, by the way, Land of Hope. Uh, The very title tells you something Something about about where you're coming from. Yeah, Yeah. where I'm coming from. And and the fact that it has Christian or Judeo-Christian overtones Mm -hmm. is not a coincidence. I don't, uh, uh, you know, I don't put that stuff in the background or or eliminate it altogether the way so many historians do. But Coolidge said, you know, that if it's true in this speech, he says, if it's true that all men are created equal, that's final. There's no progress to be made beyond that. Uh, And anything that progressives consider to be progress is likely to be regress. (laughs) It's likely to be reactionary. He says that. Uh, And... There's a lot to be said for this. You know, he's actually at that time for the fighting with Woodrow Wilson. Mm-hmm. who's saying, oh, yeah, that, all that, that all men are great equal, natural rights, uh, you know, all that stuff was good for the moment, kind of got us through. But we, we're grown-ups now. We realize that it's just not that way at all. And, uh, uh, and so uh, uh, Coolidge is saying, no, you know, you're not going to have a republic of free and self-ruling individuals. If you don't have the right principles, the right foundation, the right anthropology, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, and that's right there, the speech of a president of the United States, yeah, uh, yeah. who most people think never said a word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's often, he's often ignored. I mean, there's, uh, Amity Schley's uh, wrote a biography of Coolidge a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Which, um, I, you know, it, it actually surprised me because I have to co- confess... I don't think very much of him either. You know, he's, I know he's in the I know he's in the list, yeah. but I don't know much about him. So I was surprised when she devoted a biography to him. Well, and there's this whole view that somehow the prosperity of of the twenties, as particularly of his, I mean, they called it Coolidge prosperity, yeah. um, but that that somehow brought on uh, the Great Depression, right? right and right. Uh, uh, that that idea is still rattling around out there, even though none of the economists uh, I, I can. Give, can, with with a straight face, give any credence to yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's he's gotten a raw deal. <laughs> the, <laughs> and I I I must say the one uh, I've only had one negative review of my book, which amazes me because I thought the left would be out in force. I would have thought uh, so too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, I I fair to them, and maybe a lot of people uh, are are content to be dealt with fairly rather than yeah. polemically. Yeah. Um, but 
You don't have to sanitize American history in order to to make this a a truly uh, remarkable and even inspirational story. Yeah, it is. And and look, I I bring out things that a lot of people ignore. And since you have a lot, probably mainly Catholic listeners, I'm very honest about the long tradition, now almost completely forgotten, uh, of virulent anti-Catholic yeah. prejudice in this country coming from the founders themselves. Yeah. And, you know, the correspondence between Jefferson and John Adams has some of the most anti-Catholic stuff you'd ever want to see yeah. or not want to see as the case may be. <laughs> uh, and you know, Jefferson usually in his, his tirades about religion he's really talking about the church. He's not yeah. talking about Christianity in yeah. general which he had a sort of benign view of well some of the time anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's really important that you know, <clears throat> people know that, <clears throat> I don't know, really up until the, the 50s. Um, yeah, you even, had, even then you had uh, Blanchard, Blanchard. Yeah, Paul Blanchard. Paul yeah, Blanchard, yeah, writing, yes, right. Uh, warnings and, warnings about the, the Catholic Church. And you power. and I can remember when John F. Kennedy ran for president. I do. And yeah. he got put through the ringer by the Baptist ministers in yeah. Houston. Yeah. Um, yes. Because uh, uh, of their belief that a Catholic could not be a loyal American, right. uh, because they had dual loyalties. Right, right. Um, that that's thankfully, uh, I think, a thing of the past. Although the way abortion is playing out yeah. in our politics, it, there's a new there's form a, of anti-Catholicism. I think there is. I think there is, yes. and I think we're going to see a lot of it uh, if the Dobbs decision comes down the way. I, now, I'm expecting it. I think it's going to come we down it on, yes. a, on the side yeah. of returning the abortion uh, problem to the states. Uh, let me ask you a, a, a question that I've heard um, debated among historians and, and just at everybody, really. Does America have a creed? I mean, nations have cultures. They have uh, geographic boundaries. They have language. Yeah. Uh, they have religion. Uh, they have traditions and customs uh, that help form their identity. But often it's said that America also has a, quote, creed. Does it? Yeah, I, I, I think it does, uh, although I'm very wary of those who emphasize creed to the exclusion of culture. Right. I think we have both. We have, um, we have certain principles that, and, and this is a very good thing, that if you, you come here... You can come from Syria, you can come from Italy, you can come from China, you can come from, you know, Zanzibar, wherever you want to come from. And um, we're, our main concern is going to be, do you understand these fundamental principles of American life? Not how does your bloodline go back to the Mayflower, right, right, you know, right. because most of us have to plead guilty <laughs> on that count. <laughs> there weren't that many people in the Mayflower to begin with. So I do think that there's a creedal part. Jesterton, of course, uh, wrote about this. He said that uh, famously America was a nation that had the soul of a church. That's right, yeah. And what he meant by that was that, uh, you know, a church has a creed. Uh, you know, uh, we, we, we say the, the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed or whatever, and almost Christian churches um, as part of the sent worship mass, you know, uh, whatever, sure. Holy Eucharist. Um, uh, so, but but what Chesterton 
uncharacteristically seem to forget in that formulation. It's a church is not just the creed. A church is uh, a set of practices and liturgies, yeah. and and it's a church, in many cases, is still a place where bodies are buried, yeah. where there's there's a legacy of particular individuals living out their lives. The people who donated the money for the organ loft, you know. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And that's what a church is, too. Yeah. So, and that's culture. That's not just creed, that's culture. So we, I, I, I like to use the example with this of uh, uh, our the, the, the reverence we have for, you know, patriotic songs for uh, uh, for Arlington National Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, Arlington National Cemetery doesn't speak of universal values. The people right. who are there are our people. That's right. And, That's they, right. and we, we uh, yes, to fight for America is to fight for something universal, but it's also to fight for something particular. Right. Uh, well, let's no. Hold it there yeah. because that's important. That question between the universal and the particular has a lot to do with a healthy understanding of patriotism. Yeah. So my guest, Wilfred McClay, we're talking about patriotism in a partisan age. I'm Al Cresta. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. We're here at the... The DeVos Place, and uh, this is a 2022 Acton University. We're back in uh, business here. But we, hadn't, we haven't been here for, since 2019, and it's great to be back. Uh, this is where uh, many men and women uh, from really a number of lands all over the world who come here, uh, primarily America, but they come here to discuss the intellectual foundations of a free and virtuous society. My guest, Dr. Wilfred McClay, and I are talking about patriotism and a concept which um, seemed, when I, again, when I was a kid, it seemed kind of unquestioned. But by the time I got out of high school, it was uh, uh, almost, uh, at least kids of my generation were afraid to say they were patriots. So we're talking about what's happened to the concept, talking about America as uh, a culture, what well, has a creed, uh, America's self-understanding. Um, does America have a unique problem in affirming patriotism? Because part of our story is our celebration of nonconformists. So uh, Benjamin Franklin doesn't um, doesn't celebrate. Uh, his past uh, as forming yeah, him. Yeah. He wants to be a, quote, self-made man. Uh, does that work against the idea of patriotism? Oh, what an interesting question. And it, if I may just uh, put a little twist on it, yeah. that, that uh, I think there's a particular problem being an American Catholic, not just because of this history of discrimination, which, uh, you know, Mormons share that. Sure. The Mormons are the most super patriotic group. Uh, uh, but um, uh, it because there there is, the church is a cosmopolitan universe. It is right. it is the multicultural organization. Yeah, par, it is. par excellence. Absolutely. And um, there is a way in which being a being, look being a Christian anyway should mean that. Uh, as Richard Newhouse used to say, the first thing to know about politics is that politics is not the first thing. <laughs> um, the, the first thing in the magazine, first things gets its name from this, right. uh, is uh, the first thing is Christ. 
is is our our commitment uh, to God in Christ um, uh, and to all that that entails. Uh, so that uh, loyalty, uh, and you know, and and the thing is, this, this is a this intention that's intrinsic to the Christian life. It's not a flaw. It's it's not a bug. <laughs> you know, it, it's part of the operating system. That's right. And that is that when when Jesus tells us that you have to hate your father and your mother to follow him, he's not advocating hating your father and mother. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's using very powerful language to make a point about as much as you love your father and mother and naturally do that's that patriotism is a natural thing and the word father the latin word for father is in the word for patriotism but as natural as that is there's something higher and you always must at times militate against that in your heart and remember that the things of this world as beautiful as they are, as heartbreakingly wonderful as they are, they are not—they're uh, not the first things. Yeah. They are the. There's something else that is the precondition of all of that. Yeah. And, and so that I think a healthy patriotism for for us as believers, as Christians, as Catholics, has to begin with our faith. And in this country, we have a history, as you say, of nonconformity yeah. of. Um, thinking orthodoxy is a sort of bad word. That's right. Uh, yeah. The, all the stories here are a kind of, the hero is anti-traditional <laughs> in America. It's hard to come up with stories oh, that's right. of a hero who is a champion of tradition in the United yeah. States. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think of, I mean, any number of things. You know, I was just thinking about the movie Dead Poets Society. Yes. It was such a big I, deal when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's all about how... Uh, you know, sort of established values and even a you know, very responsible father in the case of that movie. Um, they're all wrong, and it's the rebels who are right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you, know, you know, the whole history of art in the Western world, uh, which we kind of have picked up as a, as a national distinctive, is, is of, uh, you know, écraser la bourgeoisie, you know, you want to uh, 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 create something new out of the what we see as in this very romantic way as the, the resources of the individual heart. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's something deeply appealing about that. There's also something deeply wrong yeah. about it. Yeah. It's uh, a very romantic notion. It, it, we, we, are, we are a romantic country in that yeah. way, in all the best and worst ways. So, yeah, I think there is... And, and we romanticize our country... You know, when you look back at the early 19th century, at the uh, young America, the Manifest Destiny, all of these, and what, people like Walt Whitman, who are still venerated today, were <laughs> they were totally on board with they that. They were, yeah, uh, yes. Um, okay. That we were, uh, and, and I also emphasize, this is not a sinister thing. Don't understand Manifest Destiny as a wholly sinister thing, a sort of uh, blanket under which naked greed and imperialism right, operate right. It, it, it has this romantic side there's um, a sense of vocation yeah, to yeah. it yes you know, we, yeah, we're, we were we're, made for this we, and later on you know the march of the flag Albert Beveridge this great speech he gives about you know it's worth we're to take culture to the rest uh, rest of the world it's, it's sort of the white man's burden right, uh, right. that's Kipling but same idea mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's extreme I think we're all attuned now to how dangerous that is right Right. But it's 
dangerous not to also love what is one's own. You know, honor thy father and thy mother. Mm-hmm. Honor the land that gave birth to you. Honor that which is yours. That which is yours. And, and even want to share it. Yeah. To some degree, yeah. you know. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah. But I, I think just there's something really wrong with a culture that teaches its children that patriotism is an unhealthy, it's an intrinsically unhealthy and idolatrous thing. It can be. Of course. Yes. It, it just loving your father and mother, it, it can, you can make that an idol, too. There's almost nothing you can't make into an idol. If you can make a, a golden calf into an idol, you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, but it, so we, this is an intrinsic tension to love the world, but not too much yeah. and not in the wrong way. So uh, I, part of what I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be here at Acton University because I can talk to, to people as a Christian. Yeah. You don't get to do very much in my line of work and, and sort of say, look, this is for, for us being a healthy patriot. And, and it, I think it's very fashionable, particularly uh, among evangelicals at the moment, uh, younger evangelicals, yeah. not, not older ones, but uh, but. but you know, Catholics and mainline Protestants too. That uh, to be anti-patriotic, to see patriotism as right. uh, a very bad thing, and see it as a, a form of idolatry yeah. that's yeah. displacing our love of Jesus. Um, and they they pick up on uh, particular uh, lead, evangelical leaders of the last uh, generation who are not especially attractive figures. Uh, they think are overly authoritarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. Um, they are not sufficiently aware of uh, the biblical story itself, which is <laughs> causes you to be very self-critical yeah, in, the, in I, a constructive I, sense. I don't think they're entirely wrong about any of that. I, 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 I agree. I don't, I, I don't think they're entirely right either, but right. I mean, I, there's a lack of charity. You know, when, when you're invoking the love of Jesus uh, as a way to bash... Christians who are insufficient. There's something wrong. <laughs> There's something weird yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jesus could be very sharp, of course, as we know. Uh, he wasn't a cuddly guy all the time. Uh, and, and, and literally, thank God for that. Uh, yeah. But, but, but um, yes, I, I can't really prove on what I said. Is there some way in which uh, uh, we have to be very much on our guard when we find ourselves filled with righteous indignation towards those who we think are, are lesser Christians than we are. Yeah. yeah. Then, then Satan's really got a foothold yeah. in us. Yes, <laughs> that's very uh, true. Uh, uh, your book, Masterless, looking at self and society oh. in America, uh, that, that is really comes, is related to what I asked earlier about nonconformity. Uh, that we don't have a master. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are independent. Um, yeah. Can I say a word about that before you... I wish you it, would. It'll help sure. you with your question, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. Because that, I got that from a quote from uh, D.H. Lawrence, who wrote a really wonderful book about uh, called Studies in Classic American Literature that not too many people read, but it's... Uh, it's a hilarious, wonderful book, and, and, and a lot of us crazy, but uh, as he was crazy, but uh, a, a lot of us really good. And he says, America, at the very beginning, he says, America is a republic of escaped slaves, of masterless men. Uh, and, um, and what they need to know, I can't, I can't quote this directly, but is that uh, there's always a master. 
That's as Bob right. Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. somebody. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, so that's that's what the yeah. I, I mean, I'm definitely. Uh, I was an adult convert to Christianity, by the way, and this was all happening. Well, it in my life in as a, uh, a very junior professor, very unusual in that regard. And uh, so that book. It comes, comes it, out of that. It, 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 the book came out of it. Ah, and, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, you can find uh, hints of it, particularly in acknowledgments. Okay. But uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, I, th- I think, it, not that it would be of any interest, but I think one could read this <laughs> book as me struggling with these very issues that your question yeah. that I am anticipating <laughs> is, well, what, what, what does it mean to, how can you affirm America's our kind of blind love of, of individualism. Right. Yeah, uh, which, which is, and that is often point. And it's funny, it's often, that's often brought up by people who actually have a very high view of uh, the importance of government uh, mandates. Yeah. A paradoxical thing. By the way, I'm just curious, when you were going through that conversion process, uh, was that professionally threatening? Um, it became uh, professionally burdensome. I, 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 I not threatening. I okay. mean, they, I, they, they, I had nearly been sort of drummed out of the profession already just uh, for having conservative views. Okay. But, but they were not. Actually, when I became a Christian, I became a little bit more liberal. <laughs> but not to no avail. Believe me, that the, <laughs> the be, love of God the, was shed abroad the, in the, your heart. The and people so you, who hated me then probably, if they're still alive, hate me now. So, <laughs> and I love them yeah. uh, because I do. Because they pushed me towards something I would I was holding back from. Yeah. Um, and uh, and in many ways, I sought Christ because I needed to find a way to forgive them. Oh. And I couldn't have done it without him. Wow. Yeah. No, that's that's sounds yeah. like a great story. Well, we can do that another time. I was going to say <laughs> if you if you're up for that, uh, I would love to oh, hear more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, this this uh, emphasis on uh, American individualism. Um it does it uh, again, this is an extension of what we talked about earlier too. Does it work against being a a faithful American? Hmm. Well, no, I don't think it does. I, I think I, I think uh, the the average American, and I think we're starting to see some of that average Americanness reemerge. Yeah, <coughs> I hope partly so. in response to the excesses of the mandates and all of that, yeah. uh, has a sort of sense that loyalty to the country means loyalty to uh, letting people kind of mind their own business yeah. Uh, yeah. within limits. We could talk a lot more about this. Well, we uh, will sometime in the future. But I really enjoyed uh, making your acquaintance today, Bill. And thank I hope you. we'll, thank we'll you. get back together again. Well, thank you for okay. what you do. Uh, oh, it's you. a great thing. Thank you very much. Okay.